This is Cruise Radio. I cruise a lot and I always sail with travel insurance. You should too. Get a free quote today at tripinsurance.com. Here we go. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. So Chris and his wife just returned from an 11-night cruise. It was a one-way trip from Vancouver to Seward, Alaska, and it went all through southeast and north up to Seward in Alaska. It was on Windstar Cruises, Star Breeze, and Chris joins us on the line right now. Hey, Chris. Hello, Doug. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Excited to hear about Star Breeze. This was an old Seaborne Cruises ship that Windstar got a few years back and completely refurbished it. So before we get to the ship itself, as we always do, we're going to take a step back. Give us some pre-cruise thoughts. You're out there uh, in Wisconsin. What made you want to fly over there to Vancouver and take that 11-night northbound on Star Breeze? It was a bucket list item for us uh, in 2019. Uh, And so we had we booked it and was looking forward to a 2020 summer cruise. And of course, uh, with the pandemic, that got pushed to 21 and then again pushed to 22. So third time was the charm for us. And the three years not only uh, gave us the opportunity to think more about it and plan different excursions, but this year was our 30th wedding anniversary. So it was a, a double whammy for us. We got to go and it was our 30th wedding anniversary. So we picked an itinerary this year where we would be uh, on the ship uh, for the occasion. Oh, that's very cool. Well, congratulations. And you make your way from, where do you fly out of? Was uh, Madison going west? We did. Okay. Yeah, we went from Madison uh, all the way to Vancouver. No issues on, on the airline. A beautiful airport, easy way to get through customs and, uh, and, and headed right to our hotel from there. Gotcha. So you did uh, like a one night pre-cruise? We did. Yeah, we stayed right down uh, by Canada Place uh, at the Marriott Pinnacle mm-hmm. and uh, allowed us the opportunity. We got a room that overlooked the harbor and hopes of seeing the ship when we woke up in the morning the next day. Very cool. And so you got to look right down to where you'll be boarding in a few hours then. That along with the seaplane base that they had there and watching those yeah. planes go in and out like bees in a hive. And yeah. It's just pretty cool to watch those landing uh, in the water and taking off and literally people with briefcases getting out of work and, and walking on these planes and heading off to their little island homes wherever they may be. So it's a, a whole different culture up there. Yeah, so cool. So you make your way to the cruise terminal to Canada Place to board Starbreeze. How was the embarkation process? It could have been a lot better. Uh, we'll put it that way. When we got up early in the morning, we did our reconnaissance, walked out to Canada Place and said, hey, we're about a half mile away. Should we just walk here? Uh, we checked out where we'd be checking in and said, yeah, let's bring our bags. So we went back to our room and checked out of the hotel and walked to Canada Place. Uh, as walkers, you're directed down the parking ramp underneath uh, Canada Place there where the buses drop off passengers only to find that there were no bad borders, uh, none. And a bunch of people starting to line up. The Grand Princess was there, as well as the Zoiderdam. Uh, and so it was quickly filling up with passengers, all with their bags, not knowing what to do. We all were told to go in an elevator uh, and go one story down where the porters would be. Well, just to think that a thousand people trying to get in a 10-person elevator took a little bit of time. Yeah. And um, once we made our way down there, uh, it was the second level of the parking garage where the taxi cabs actually were dropping off. And you could find um, the cages for each of the ships that you could drop your bags off. Uh, And so that was our first kind of, uh uh-oh, this isn't very good. And we kind of figured out 
that is probably a labor thing. But we finally got our bags handed off and went to check in. The second thing for your listeners, Windstar does not check in at portside. They check in on the ship. All we had to do was try to find the ship. And we kept asking, how do we get to the ship? And they're like, you have to check in first. And we said, there's no place to check in. Uh, we made it through customs uh, and then found uh, the Windstar waiting area uh, where they had us wait in groups of 20. You could see it right there. You mm-hmm. want to get on board, get checked in, and all that good stuff. Uh, we finally made it on board and it was beautiful. Uh, but from shore to ship was 90 minutes total time. That was probably the most disappointing part of our whole trip. Uh, nothing to do with Windstar. Uh, all had to do with Canada Place and checking in um, and how to get as a walker or someone getting off the bus uh, through the whole process of, of, of finding customs and also security. So the security line at Vancouver, it was we found out it was only the second time the Star Breeze was there in Vancouver, uh, and many of the people didn't know about this check-in process, and they wouldn't let us go through security without our room keys. Well, we didn't have room keys because we were not checked in yet. Uh, and they finally found a special line for us that somebody had a list of names where we had, could show our passport and then let us through security. So just some interesting things that we found on embarkation. But once on the ship, just a fantastic experience. Yeah, certainly sounds like an interesting embarkation experience there. But you made your way on the ship 90 minutes later. What were your first impressions of Star Breeze? Beautiful. It even smelled new uh, still. Um, It's been at sea, I think, for a year since the refurbishment and adding 50 new cabins on board. uh, And uh, they got you, you get in on deck five where the reception desk is. Uh, The great thing about having to wait so long is we walked into our room and guess what? Our bags were there already. So that was uh, the first time we've ever experienced uh, saying, hey, we can we could get uh, unpacked here uh, immediately. We don't have to wait for our bags to come. Yeah, it's very rare that your bags actually beat you. Very rare. <laughs> the fact that the ship holds 312 passengers, and mm-hmm. for this cruise, we had 191 um, that uh, set sail from Vancouver. So not even a full ship. Uh, and so getting the bag quickly was probably part of that. And also probably the delay on getting on board. But yeah, I was so happy to see them there and put everything away. And we were able to explore the ship right away. What kind of stateroom did you have for this 11-night cruise? And what were your thoughts of it? So we took, the, there's two options. Of, of course, they're all outside. Um, uh, so there's porthole cabins on the lower deck. And then there's big window cabins. And then there are a few uh, called okay, French balconies, where it's a, a double door that opens onto a a balcony that's about uh, a foot wide uh, by about six feet across, just enough to get out there uh, and see the beauty of Alaska. So we upgraded to get that. As it turned out to be beautiful, getting by a glacier that was calving and opening it up in the morning, waking up and hearing it right from your cabin was was fantastic. And the difference between the newer cabins that they added to the ship and the existing ones uh, from when they bought it from Seaborn is the existing ones have the living room towards the windows or towards the French balcony, and then the bed towards the bathroom side or the entrance. They switched that around when they added the new cabins on there, where the bed is closer to the windows or to the French balcony and the living room as you walk in. So it gives you a better feel of walking in. Yeah, We just didn't like the fact of having your bed right next to the window, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the afternoon where you could stand there and get your binoculars out and not have to worry about the bed being in the way. And yeah. So either way, they're beautiful walk-in closet in the cabin. 
uh, was uh, something we've never experienced before. And then uh, the bathroom having double sinks, beautifully uh, remodeled. Uh, all the rooms have been remodeled, not just the 50 they added in. It was great. It was beautiful and, the, uh, and plenty of plugs as well as people may ask for that as yeah. well. So being a European ship in many ways, uh, when it was first built for Seabourn, there's more European sockets and there are ones that we would be used to. So you need to bring your converters because next to the beds, it's all European sockets. But up near the refrigerator or the front part of the suite, that's where they've remodeled and added some USB ports as well as um, other outlets to put in. So we had brought ourselves a kind of a extension cord type thing that had plenty of plugs and we're able to take care of all of our needs. Nice. Let's talk about dining on this 11-night cruise, and we'll start at the buffet area called the Veranda on the aft end of the ship at the very top. How was it, and uh, how was their service on there right now as far as, um, are you serving yourself, or is it crew served? No, it's serve yourself. Uh, the crew only serves you when you're cutting meat, and they have a special pasta area. And to kind of alleviate lines of people waiting for their pasta or a special sandwich to be made or something, they write it down on kind of a piece of paper, give that to the chef, give you the number, you sit down and they'll bring you that food. But other than that, it would serve yourself across the whole veranda. And you can eat either outside or inside in the back of the ship. And how did the main dining room work on this one? So the main dining room is called Amphora, which is located uh, down on deck four. And uh, your traditional cruise ship dining room, uh, beautifully appointed. Based on the amount of people on the ship, we always were able to get a table closer to the window. Great service, which is what Windstar is known for. And um, the only thing we would complain about was the food, uh, which I believe there's an issue there somewhere. And that they were short-staffed. Maybe uh, the wait times for uh, such a small group of people were much longer than you would think about. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the options for being on a Alaskan cruise and not getting Alaskan salmon, you know, only have a choice of halibut one night was a little confusing for us. Mm -hmm. It was average to above average, but not spectacular, which we would have expected. And we were just thinking that there may have had an issue with not only their food inventory, but with labor as well. I've had emails in the past that guests said they didn't want to sail Windstar because they felt like they had to dress up for, you know, like dress to the nines for every meal. Was it like that on board? You can actually wear a shirt that had the number nine on it and get on. So, <laughs> nice. it would, yeah, no issues there. This is uh, smart casual is what they call it. Mm -hmm. They don't want holy jeans, uh, no shorts, and that's about it. Uh, no bathing suits. The dining room is definitely built for formal, but not for formal dress. In fact, they probably would not want you to be dressed like that and make you feel uh, more at home. It's more country club casual. Gotcha. Okay. Now, outside of the main dining room in the buffet area, any specialty restaurants on board you took part in? Yeah, there's a couple. Um, there's uh, called Candles in the back. So veranda, so the buffet turns into a outdoor restaurant at night. Uh, and so for uh, an Alaskan cruise, sometimes it's a little tougher to eat outdoors. But the nights we were at port until 7 or 8 o'clock at night, obviously it was open on the outside. If it wasn't open on the outside, uh, they would have you sit inside. Uh, and uh, just there, it's almost one-on-one -on -one service. It's by reservation only. And again, casual. And um, mostly you would consider that, quote unquote, their steakhouse, because that's where you would get mostly your, your steaks and fish from there. Or you could get anything off the uh, Amphora restaurant menu as well, and they would bring it to you 
outdoors. So beautiful spot. We spent a lot of our time eating there just because of the beauty of um, you're traveling about five to 10 knots, probably more closer to five knots through these fjords. Uh, and to be stuck in a dining room and missing everything outside, you wanted to be at uh, Candle's restaurant. And then they had one called Quadro 44, which is uh, a tapas restaurant. It's just all different tapas that they would serve you. They'd give you the menu, but wound up giving you everything so you could sample. Uh, and it held maybe, maybe 30 people. Uh, so it's a smaller restaurant. Again, reservations only. And both of those restaurants are free of charge. So there's no extra cost to eat at them. But a great experience for something a little different, especially since you're on board for 11 days to go have something different there. And then they had a grill up by the Star Bar. So on the pool deck, it's uh, uh, by Stephen Richelin, which is he's a, uh, a barbecue aficionado. And um, he's their celebrity chef that has come up with all different types of barbecue that they serve up there at lunch hour only. So nothing at dinner time, mm-hmm. but that was a, a nice specialty uh, area to get, whether it's going to be barbecue brisket one day or barbecue pork, ribs they had once, and uh, just to have that nice barbecue taste uh, and being uh, served by professionals and, and curated by a barbecue pro uh, was really cool. Nice. Well, with the veranda buffet being converted into candle, does that mean there's no buffet open at nighttime? There's no buffet at nighttime. No, it's okay. um, then it's strictly room service. If you just want to get something and uh, eat at your room, mm-hmm. you could also order on the deck. So if you're sitting at the poolside, you could have room service right there as well. Mm-hmm. And they're very accommodating. For example, there's only one bar open until 6 p.m. And that's the star bar part of the uh, by the pool. But we later found out that their yacht club, which is up uh, a decade forward, which is their coffee place uh, where you can get all specialty coffees all day long, and pastries, finger sandwiches in the afternoon. If you wanted a drink there, they'd just bring it there for you as well. Their regular lounge bar opened up after 6 p.m. And I don't know if those times are always there. Maybe it was because we were a smaller, smaller group of people traveling, but um, uh, we didn't mind it much. There was plenty of options for us yeah. uh, for what we were looking for. Let's talk about entertainment or enrichment on this 11-night cruise. How was it for y'all? So the enrichment was fantastic. So on the ship, they had eight different expedition leaders, and they are all specialized in different parts of Alaska, whether they specialize in whales and whales only. We had a couple of people on board that uh, were specialists in glaciers. We had in birds, in trees, and floral. And they would give actual um, presentations every afternoon where we would sit in if we were back from our excursions to to learn about their craft and things to watch for at our next port. So it wasn't your traditional port excursion talk about, you know, book this, book that. It was literally about what we were going to see and, um, you know, what kind of uh, bears were out there uh, for this next port or what whales to look for and so that was pretty amazing. And from an entertainment side, Windstar is really not known for the entertainment part. Our cruise manager was an opera singer who also sang other than opera. Um, she sang most of the time in different ways. We had a jazz band on board and then a duo that did what I would call the fancy karaoke. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, although one of the, the guitarists did pretty well, everything else in the background, it, it, it just sounds like might as well just put on uh, 
put on the radio uh, right. and we'll listen to music ourselves. <laughs> but the best night on the ship is always the crew night when they bring all of their talents and uh, some amazing things that the crew uh, does. Um, and from singing to dancing and different tricks and magic that they performed one of the nights. So that was probably the best night from an entertainment perspective. But on an Alaska cruise, if you really want to do your cruise, by 9 o'clock, you are done for the day. Yeah. Uh, whether you've been kayaking all day or hiking all day, the night activity is not as, a, as popular on the Alaska cruise. Well, with less than 200 people on board, how were sea days as far as crowds and congestion? I could show you some pictures where we were the only ones on the pool deck. Wow. Uh, it was beautiful. It was like our own ship. We worked out. They had a beautiful new um, workout facility with big windows. And there's pictures of us on treadmills or on their spinning bikes uh, with the glaciers just there. Uh, and so an amazing time to get your hour of exercise in before heading out and then getting back from uh, your excursions whatever you did that day, going back up to the pool deck and the pool was heated, a beautiful pool with a, a hot tub there as well. And being the only ones up there, it's like flying first class. I don't know if I ever want to go on a crowded ship again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I hear you. Let's talk yeah. about the ports of call on this 11 night cruise. What we'll do here is give us the first one, uh, a highlight from that, and we'll move to the next one. We started obviously in Vancouver, as you mentioned, inside passage. So the first day was at sea. And that's where we got to start seeing whales, uh, headed up to Ketchikan as our first port of call, which most uh, cruise ships do, whether they're northbound, southbound, or doing uh, the round trip out of Seattle or Vancouver. Ketchikan is kind of the place where everybody stops. And right there, we did an e-bike and hike. Uh, so we did an off-ship excursion there. Got to learn a lot about um, the ecology in the area. Got to eat some different berries and vegetation that we've never heard or seen before things that um, are native to that land. Uh, and so that was exciting. So, uh, next day, we went to Misty Fjords. So for uh, Windstar and on the Star Breeze, the back of the ship comes down and that's where they let out all their kayaks and they had Zodiacs on board as well. At Misty Fjords, we actually went on a kayak expedition off the ship and enjoyed the beautiful waterfalls and its scenery there. The next stop was Wrangell, where we went with the expedition leaders on a hike uh, up to the top of the mountain overlooking Wrangell, which was beautiful, learning all about the underground and the trees. There's only three trees that grow in the Inside Passage uh, based on glaciers and based on the permafrost that's there. And so understanding some of that, the cruise becomes not an entertainment cruise, it becomes an educational cruise. And we really enjoyed that. The next day we were in Sitka, which is a beautiful town. Obviously, that's where the Russians and the and and the, uh, the United States signed their agreement to transfer uh, ownership. There's some old Russian, an old Russian church there, as well as some shops that sell Russian products. And that's where we had our first street food, where we had our halibut, a fabulous fish that everybody has to enjoy. Then headed to Tracy Arm to see the glaciers there. Uh, we took a Zodiac out to that just because the kayak ride was quite long and we wanted to spend more time in front of the glacier instead of taking time to get to the glacier. And after that, while we were Tracy Arm, the captain decided we were all on board uh, that he was going to take the ship. We had about an hour of time left uh, to take us to both of the glaciers off of Tracy Arm, the north and south glaciers there. And he said, just come up on deck and we're going to slowly go through there and 
It was the most beautiful. And then heading out through the fjords uh, that evening, we wound up getting room service that night because we spent the whole time just in awe looking at scenery. Stopped in Haines, Alaska, where we did an ATV adventure. Went to Juneau, Alaska, which is where we did another offshore excursion to the Mendenhall Glacier and had the uh, opportunity to notice the recession of the Mendenhall Glacier. We were the one of the last few people who got to hike it. They said probably by the end of July of 2022 that um, it would no longer be hikeable uh, as it's receding so quickly up into the hillside. And so it felt pretty special and also pretty uh, scary and concerning about, you know, some of the things that are happening to glaciers up in that area. Uh, We did have a day at sea. And that was a, a foggy, rough day that took us from Juneau to the Kenai Fjords, which were just outside of Seward. Uh, and then the Kenai Fjords is another glacier there that we got to visit. And we anchored right in front of it and just listened to calving a glacier for uh, a good 12 hours. And we were able to get in the ship's uh, zodiacs again and, and literally get within maybe 700 to 1,000 feet of it and watch, uh, watch these giant icebergs, literally, they become icebergs once they hit water, fall off a 300-foot cliff uh, into the water and, and make the most amazing noise, like a, like a thunderstorm in the distance. Mm-hmm. And then creating a giant wave uh, that would come towards your boat, things you never have experienced before. And then the next day, coming to uh, Seward and disembarking there. And prior to getting in our bus to Anchorage, got to see Seward, which is a great little fishing village there that uh, people should spend some more time at. And I think spend too much time in Anchorage, not enough time in Seward because there's a lot to see down there as well. Yeah. That's a pretty drive too on the Kenai Peninsula from Seward to Anchorage. Absolutely. Uh, In fact, about 50 miles south of Anchorage, it was so clear that um, we were able to see the Denai. Wow. Denali. Uh, And, um, and that was Mount McKinley was beautiful from there. And they say one of three people see Mount McKinley and that's it. And I said, Hey, we're one of the three. We yeah. got to see it. Yeah. Uh, so that makes sense. Cause I've been there twice and haven't seen it. So you're the third, per- <laughs> third time. So yeah. There, yeah. Uh, when you were in Wrangell, do you remember if it was, um, I did two hikes there. I did a, a Mount Dewey one and I did the rainbow falls trail. Do you remember if it was one of those trails you did? Yep. We did Mount Dewey. Okay. Yep, so that's, that's the Mount overlook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty nice hike. The other one, Rainbow Falls, is fun. It's a few miles, and it gets into really slippery territory where, like, um, there are steps going up it, but they are yeah. super slick. And if you're not careful, you will bust your butt on it. Oh, my. So. Especially in the rainy climate. Uh-huh. No, yeah, no yeah. thank you. Yeah, for um, sure. We, in the 11 days we were on the ship, we did not see one drop of rain. Wow. Okay. And maybe, and only fog, uh, a couple days of fog, and it had been in the... Mid seventies for temperature the whole time. We got lucky because yeah. we understand like once a year they get a, a break of their weather and we were there for their break, which was good and bad because you kind of want us being there. You brought all these clothes that you wanted to wear and the uh-huh. rain jackets and all that, and we had to go to Wrangell and buy some t-shirts because we're like, hey, we can wear t-shirts out here. This is kind of cool. How was your debark process uh, getting off of Starbreeze? It was great. Uh, we were in the last group, no issues. We just walked right off. We had the last two bags uh, down uh, down in the warehouse were ours, and we picked them up and took a shuttle into the uh, the harbor town and explored that for a little bit before we got on our bus and, and headed up to Anchorage. 
Any first-time tips to offer someone either sailing Star Breeze or doing an Alaska cruise, a one-way cruise like you did? Yeah, so for sailing Alaska, do it now versus later, as some of the natural beauty is disappearing, and some of the excursions you may not be able to do in the future, for one, and number two, you may not be physically able to do it. So uh, when you still can physically go out on a kayak uh, and and paddle uh, through beautiful waterfalls that are are coming down from 2,000 feet. Do it now versus later and appreciate the people that live there and also appreciate the fact that the sun doesn't go down uh, and have it being light the whole time. Uh, And then for Windstar, I would say the best part about Windstar in Alaska is the expedition leaders that are there. At 7 a.m. every morning at the Yacht Club in the coffee area, they're all out there having coffee and just want to talk to you about what their specialties are. Some have their uh, binoculars out looking for you to see if they can find anything. And you learn so much. Most of them are from Alaska and will teach you everything you want to know. And you will not go home without learning something. Yeah. Uh, and that was the best part of the cruise. Very cool. You might have just answered the question, but your biggest highlight of this sailing Oh, I think it would be the uh, the expedition leaders on the sailing mm-hmm. uh, and what we learned from them. And then from a physical perspective would be um, the Ayakala Glacier. I think that's how it's called from uh, in the Kenai Fjords. What the, a calving glacier was on my bucket list. And to be so up close to that and literally seeing the ice fall into the water uh, was was something special and something you can't experience everywhere. Very cool. In closing, your final thoughts of Star Breeze. Star Breeze, a beautiful ship. I uh, would go on it again. Uh, they're heading down to Tahiti, and uh, and starting in 2024, they'll be based in Tahiti uh, and doing cruises from there. But their sister ships are still sailing, and probably one will replace it in Alaska in 25. Something definitely, it's the best ship to be on, uh, other than other small ships like Seaborn or, or Silver Sea. Don't think of it as a fancy ship. Think of it as an expedition ship at that point when they're in Alaska because they can get in those small ports and get in those fjords where the bigger ships can't. And that's something very special. Well said. We've been talking with Chris about his 11-night cruise on Star Breeze. Chris, thank you so much for sharing the review, my friend. I appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. I can't wait to give you another review, which means I would have gone on another cruise, which (laughs) I can't wait. (laughs) A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. All right. Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. 
Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.